Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today I've got a lovely lady. Her name is Carolyn Hobday. Welcome, Carolyn. Welcome, hello. Nice to see you. Carolyn is my special guest today, and she is actually um, somebody I'm really grateful for being on this particular podcast because there's not many people who are prepared to go on record and put their heart on the line and share their relationship experiences for the benefit of others uh, with a view to sort of the audience members getting some real key messages and gems and insights and fabulous information on the back of that. So I want to say up front, Carolyn, thank you so much for being open and uh, I suppose being in a position where you, you can feel able to share what you'd like to share. You're very welcome. I think it's always good for us to share our experiences for the benefit of others. Um, you, you're right. I think sometimes it takes a bit of courage to do that. But the more of us that do, then um, the more we have the conversation. Excellent. All right, Carolyn. Um, I feel that, you know, the, the key subject, which would be a great subject that we discussed just previously off air in today's episode would be around, are you a people pleaser? And this is something that I feel that you've got great insights around and especially applied to you in the past. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think the the blueprint for my people-pleasing was probably set very early in my life, but it certainly manifested itself um, throughout that time in the relationships that I've had, um, whether those have been, um, you know, just, just friendships and relationships, but particularly, um, most notably, and probably in the most toxic way um, in the personal relationships I've had um, with men. Right. So what's your earliest experience, I suppose, of now that you can, I suppose, in hindsight more, recognise where it all started? Um, I think that um, sort of right from the outset, really, I I think that I, you know, even in, in my first sort of most serious relationship, I think that I had ended up um, just through so some of my experiences in my childhood of being frightened of um, not being wanted um, and, and being left alone and sort of not belonging. Um, I think that's sort of my my clearest feeling um, from, from my childhood. And I think that then brought itself out in the relationships that I've had because I think I was sort of desperate to belong with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um I guess I was always looking for that fairy tale ending. So what did that look like for you growing up as a child? So people can probably who are listening to this maybe resonate with where it all started and and what that looked like. Um I was, you know, I was I was quite a feisty child. Um I was very passionate about stuff and I think that now I can look back and think that some of that sort of feistiness, um, which I think would have been defined by probably my parents in particular as sort of being a bit difficult, um, was more about, I think I really was very frustrated at not being able to articulate how it was that I felt. 
um, I didn't I don't think I had the language to really articulate the deep feelings that I had and the deep emotions I had I was very passionate about stuff but I think quite often then that would bring itself out in sort of being a bit fiery um, and not not I'm, I'm, I was never I was never like naughty in the sense of being in trouble at school you know at school I would say I'm probably sort of model student but I could be a bit fiery mm. um, particularly at home Right. And, and were you an only child or, or were you in a situation where you got other siblings around you as well? No, I had an older sister um, who who I've always had a really great relationship with. She's very different to me. Um, probably I would describe it. She was a bit more like my parents. Okay. So, and, and was that behaviour punished, you know, if you were very feisty or, or how did that sort of um, um, get dealt with, so I'm, to speak? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would, I would get told off, um, you know, without a doubt. I'm not saying that my parents were sort of massive disciplinarians um, in that sense. You know, they weren't strict in that way. But um, it was made sort of clear to me that, I, you know, I needed to be nicer. And what, what was your belief around what that meant to you as a child? That if I wasn't nice, then people wouldn't want to be with me. That I wouldn't, I would end up on my own was how it was described to me uh, and what did being nice look like in your mind or in their mind um I suppose then that that was when the, the people pleasing started of actually sort of um you know acquiescing um to other people and what they wanted um probably not always communicating um what I wanted but not so much what I wanted but I think sometimes when things happen that I didn't like um, not being able to speak up and say no I don't like that and that was sort of for fear then of people not liking me right okay I, I, I can sort of relate and I think a lot of people can relate to probably having the I want or I don't want or don't like trained out of us <laughs> as kids yeah. can't we yeah, very much so. And I think that's the thing that, you know, like you say, hindsight is an amazing thing, isn't it? That we can look back and sort of see those patterns. But I think what I've really struggled with is is to say, no, I don't like that. Yeah. Uh, and certainly for me, I can remember, you know, whenever I said the words I want, you know, my parents repeating back to me, I want, don't get, you yeah, know, because yeah. it was seen as bad manners. Yes, when actually what is quite healthy is to know what you want. You know, certainly, you know, for me now as a an expert in this industry, I, I do know that it's key for women to be clear about what they want and, and how they can express that in a way that's received, as, especially by the guys that they're in a relationship with that, um, you know, for the most part, if they're in a healthy relationship, men do want to give you what you want and make you happy. <laughs> Yeah, completely. And I think what has always been a really stark contrast for me, um, again, through the ability to look back, is that I've been able to speak up much more in a professional context than I ever have in a personal context. So I have not put up with poor behaviours in the workplace, um, but in a way that in my private life, I've completely tolerated. Okay, so... For the benefit of um, the listeners that obviously are just getting to know Carolyn, what behaviours have you actually tolerated and put up with when you know that you shouldn't have done? Um, in the personal relationships that I've had, um, you know, some of those have been been very controlling, um, and 
you know, whilst it, it sort of, it's still to a certain extent sort of sticks a little bit in my throat to sort of utter the words, but um, relationships that bluntly have been abusive. Um, and even now I sort of find it quite hard to say that because I think, oh my God, you know, people just go through some terrible stuff and some terrible abuse. Uh, you know, is it legitimate that I use that terminology um, in relation to the to the situations I've been in? But but I, I really think I, it, it is relevant um, as a term, and it certainly is what I've I've been through, um, particularly emotional abuse. So, how did some of that emotional abuse um, show up? Because you know, some women might not even realise that they're in abusive relationships, or even attached, like you say, the word abuse to the way they're being treated. But actually, it actually is. So, can you give some examples of what you know those things were and and what they look like for you in in the context of what you're speaking about yes i think that it shows up um it shows up in different ways i think you know particularly depending on the person um that you're in the relationship with because i've been in relationships for example where the other person has been very um anxious and needy um and in those situations that control and that controlling behavior still gets there because they're very dependent on you um they suck a lot of life out of you in terms of needing your time your reassurance um sort of making you feel bad um for sort of having a life and having things outside of them and then and the other side of it i've been with people who have been much more sort of aggressively controlling um, but again, it still manifests itself in that being a drain on your energy, um, them wanting to know every last bit of sort of where you are and who you're with and wanting to control that um, and certainly sort of stopping you doing that. And I think in particular, the examples would be where if I was going off and doing something um, particularly something happy you know I'd go away overnight or for a couple of days with my sister um, who I don't get to see that often um, and I know certainly sort of in my last relationship there would always be a crisis just at the point when I was going um, at home that would then mean that I felt terrible for for being away um, you know several times where I would drive to meet my sister and I would cry all the way there because I felt awful for leaving him behind um, dealing with whatever situation but it was only over a longer period of time that I thought hang on a minute this is like a pattern um, it's like I, I'm not allowed to go away and have a nice time if it doesn't involve him mm. yeah I, I can see that um, you know that happens a lot in relationships doesn't it that um, you suddenly realize there is this repeat pattern going on and every time you want to plan something that doesn't involve your partner like you say that that, that he either consciously or unconsciously manifests this drama to make you feel guilty about it. Yes, definitely. And I think that um, in my last relationship, I um, I used to um, belong to uh, a choir that I'd go to every week um, and absolutely love it. You know, great friends that, that I'm there with. And I used, to, I realised over a period of time, I think this is when it sort of much more sort of came into sharper focus for me that, I used to realize that driving home from choir every week, that knot in my stomach was there mm. um, because I never used to know quite what I was going home to, what sort of attitude and behavior I was going to get when I walked in through the door. But there was always this disapproval 
of the fact that I'd not been there all evening and I was sort of coming home late. Um, you know, there would just always be a bit of a, a terseness about how he spoke to me, a bit of an atmosphere when I walked in. Um, and like I said, that knot in my stomach used to become like a recurring thing every week that, yeah, it took me a while to sort of realize that it was there. You know, you used to think, you know, you make excuses, I'm tired or it's been a long day or, you know, whatever. Um, but it wasn't, it was the fact that I was waiting for the sort of bad behavior. Yeah, because your your body usually knows before you acknowledge it normally. You know, you can you can sort of rationalize like you say in your head why you're feeling like you're feeling, but actually your body is actually speaking to you and letting you know with those knots in the stomach what exactly what's going on, but quite often we're we're not listening to it, are we? Completely. Um because I particularly in that relationship, you know, I spent a long time treading on eggshells and you become conditioned to it. Um, and sometimes it takes something separate to sort of jolt you out and make you have a look at that. Because for me, I think that knot in my stomach, that constant anxiety, the walking on eggshells, the thinking about what I said before I said it, you know, like thinking too hard mm. about what I said before I said it, um, worrying about I'm sending a text message, having to really think about what I'm writing so that it didn't spark a reaction. Um, yeah, I became conditioned and it was, I have to say, it was the total benefit of, of my best friend who always has the habit of asking me the question I probably least want to be asking um, of me, but, but I most need to answer, um, that would sort of jolt me out of that. Um, and that was, you know, in, in the sort of latter stages, I suppose, of that relationship, it was it was having to front into those questions that really made me look at how this was making me feel and like you say the wear and tear on me sort of physiologically was was quite extreme so what was that question or those questions that you had to face that sort of jolted you out of it um there were a couple of questions a couple of times really um so one of them um she asked me at one point she said can you see yourself with him forever mm um and it you know it was absolutely crucifying me because he had he had children who um they lived with us like 50 percent of the time so i've become very close right um, to his children and, and loved them like as if they were my own and I, i'm somebody that, that can't have children so it, for me that was a real blessing um and so the idea of like leaving that was you know almost like unthinkable um mm. for me um, so that was one of the questions and the one time she did say to, so I was talking to her about the rage, um, that I used to experience from him. Um, and again, I think that had almost become sort of normalized in our relationship, but there had been a particularly bad incident. And I was explaining that to my best friend who, again, um, you know, we, we do keep in touch, but I don't talk to her, don't have many opportunities to talk to her, and certainly at that time to talk to her very openly and honestly. And she just said to me, has he ever hit you? And the answer was actually no, but my the answer I gave that came just straight out of my mouth was no, but I'm waiting. So you felt and, that it could be imminent at any moment when he's in that sort of yeah. mindset, yeah? Yeah, and it and the worst thing was is is that because it came out of my mouth so easily, 
I knew that I'd gone through that thought process in my head. Mm. I knew that I felt threatened. I knew that the rage was so bad that I could just see it escalating, that the next thing that would happen is that there would be physical contact um, during that. So, yeah, I think that sort of particularly jolted me and made me think, hang on a minute, this is this is mad. Um, and also, you know, I'd seen some of that behaviour manifest itself from him towards others. Um, so, yeah, I was waiting. Okay. So what jolted you and I suppose for the last time in, in some respects to, I suppose, acknowledge that this was actually going on and, and be on, on really honest with yourself about how it was impacting you and your health and make the decision to, I suppose, separate or get out of that situation or relationship? Well, there's the interesting thing, I think, Lynn. Um he ended the relationship, not me. Really? Ah. Um, and he ended the relationship because, um, well, interestingly, one of the things he screamed in my face um, after he'd broken up with me is that you've done this um, because you wouldn't do what I wanted you to do. So obviously totally blamed me for the fact that it happened to me, but clearly because I, I wouldn't comply to the extent that he wanted me to comply because I had, there were things in my life that I hadn't given up. You know, I came under a lot of pressure to leave my job. It was a job I loved. I'd been very successful at, and he put me under pressure to leave it. Um, you know, he really wanted me to stay at home and, and be the parent to his children and do the school run and all of those kind of things. And I'd obviously not given up my job and done that. Um, there were other things in my life that I did, um, you know, the hobbies that I had that he clearly didn't like and made very difficult for me, but I'd clung on to them um, and not given them up. Um, so, um, but yeah, he, he ended it because clearly, you know, he wasn't happy with me. So he'd gone out and found my replacement. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, and as, as his um, one of his ex-partners said to me, you know, he will never let go of one branch until he's firmly got hold of another. Um, so he'd clearly gone out, found my replacement, um, within six weeks, I think, got engaged to her um, and put all that in place and then ended it with me. And, I, you know, I'd stayed because of uh, fear. Um, I'd stayed because, you know, we, we had all the usual sort of financial, you know, um, sort of trappings of, of being together. I'd stayed because I loved his children, um, you know, all of those things. Um, so yeah, he he actually ended it. So I suppose to answer your question, that then allowed me to come out and tell people, you know, and so I've told some things to some people, mm. but never the full story to anyone. And it allowed me to then come out and go, look, this is what this has been like. Um, this is what I've been going through. And I was just able to be totally honest about the control, the, the rage, um, the just terrible atmosphere, the walking on eggshells, the, the gaslighting, um, which was terrible, you know, that sense of it's you, you're just mad, um, you know, all of that that had been going on that, yeah, in, in, in my head and in my world, um, it, yeah, I was allowed to be honest. And you know what, that, that's been a blessing for you then in hindsight, because I suppose a lot of women, um, you know, of, who find themselves in this situation, um, don't realise sometimes how bad it actually is until they're out of it and then can look back and think, oh, my God, did I really put up with all of that? Yes, uh, very much so. And it's really interesting for me when, 
you know, I go out and I do tell my story and speak to people that, um, you know, what's just so sad is that you do meet so many people who have gone through that, um, you know, and, and people that are going through that. And, and hence why I said it's just so important for us to, to speak up and have these conversations because, you know, I've, I, I, I felt like I was going mad. Um, I was a very successful professional woman, um, and, and I would say sort of grounded in my own right. And yet I'm there, you know, I was ashamed, you know, you're embarrassed of thinking like, how the hell have I let this happen to me? Um, and this person sort of take control of my life. And, you know, I think we do have to speak up and go look at just it does happen and it's okay to talk about it and it doesn't make you stupid or weak. You know, mostly it just makes you nice and kind. Um, that's, that's what's led you there in the first place. And I think that we've got to stop feeling ashamed for these things that happen in our lives. And also we've got to feel the courage to speak up. Yes, it's interesting because we, I, I was on a podcast a, a few weeks ago and we were talking about um, online dating and romance scams online and exactly the same thing come up around the shame. You know, people don't talk about it because they're ashamed of, you know, admitting that they've been so stupid. And Yeah, so, definitely. I think it's just really it's just really important you know for me it's so much around um you know and again thank god it's sort of gaining momentum and and conversation time is the whole mental health side of it because i think mm. that for me has been the toughest part of the recovery from that and and other relationships that i've had and again like this has been sort of a pattern um it's manifested itself in very different ways in the relationships i've had but there's very much been a pattern of, like I said, that people pleasing, the accepting less than I should have accepted, um, the, you know, allowing myself to be treated and spoken to badly and, and not speaking up around that. And so much of that is around um, sort of the embarrassment that you've got yourself into that situation. And I think that, you know, for the sake of all of our mental health, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're male or female going through these things, because, you know, let's face it, women can be, you know, just as nasty as men. Um, yes. Uh, in, in relationships but I think you know that that idea of, of you know for our own mental health you know we we need to speak up and speak out it's, it's just a proper passion of mine now I agree and you know the first thing I work on when I have a woman that's been in this sort of similar situation is how are you treating yourself Carolyn you know because usually that you know our relationships are a reflection of of how we're actually treating ourselves you know and, and that's being mindful and aware of any negative self-talk that might be going on, you know. So if you're all, always beating yourself up or looking at yourself with disapproval or, um, you know, feeling like you're not enough, then usually what's going to happen is you'll attract a relationship that will reinforce exactly what you, you're telling yourself and how you're treating yourself. So are you somebody that can sort of, I suppose, see that's probably some of what went on within you? Absolutely. Um, that not being good enough, not being worthy, always feeling like I had something to, to prove, um, always being hard on myself. Um, totally, absolutely me from, um, you know, throughout my life. And like you say, you sort of attract um, what you believe, really. And, and my self-talk and my self-belief was about not being good enough, um, not being right, my pursuit of perfection, 
all the time, you know, constantly beating myself up for not being right and good enough, um, you know, and, and that came across in so many different ways. Like I said, you know, I've been successful in my professional life because I'm constantly striving, um, you know, I'm well educated because again, more challenges I would put in front of myself, more striving um, to prove to myself that I was worthy and good enough and smart enough and, and all of those things. Um, and that's completely been the case. And my, again, you know, the, the blessing that is, is my best friend, you know, we, we actually met at work um, quite a number of years ago and she kept saying to me, I need you to see what the rest of us see mm. in you. I need you to learn to love yourself and and, and I, I say to, I, I don't even know what that means because I think I've been sort of brought up in a way that if I went around going oh yeah I'm like really fantastic I'm really great you know I've been told like you know just get back in your box and stop being so arrogant <laughs> um and um and you know and and I think that um you know that learning to love yourself and, and I, like I said you know on the back of, of that last relationship um that ended just over a year ago that's the voyage of discovery I've been on hmm. um and it is possible to love yourself it is possible to learn how to do that and have that realization of you know you choose you choose yourself whether you think you're right and you're good enough and this, that doesn't mean that you can't always like seek to improve things but you love yourself for that improvement you love yourself for the mistakes that you make um and and the opportunity that gives you to to learn and learning to love myself and I know that sounds really kind of glib and really easy and it's not been an easy process but that has been absolutely fundamental because it's like now that I you know you can set out your standard this is the standard that I treat myself by and therefore I'm not going to accept anybody else that's not going to live up to that standard um and that's hard it's hard to maintain that standard because you meet somebody and you think oh I like you and um, you know, I think this might go somewhere and, and then they sort of show their behaviours and you have to step away from things that you otherwise probably previously would have stuck with. Mm. Um, but now it's about stepping away sooner and earlier and with less damage. Definitely. I think, you know, the thing is that you've learnt a lot of lessons and it's not, you know, a case once you start recognising that you hadn't loved yourself before and now that, you know, it is, it is uh, a challenge to start looking at yourself in a different way and, and learning to love yourself like you say isn't an easy process it's something I can relate to and uh, and look back on that wasn't in place but now is uh, and like you say it's not necessarily an easy journey to embark on but you know what the quality of our relationships are reflected in how we treat ourselves and it all starts with you and, and looking within and, and seeing the beautiful lovely amazing person that you truly are and knowing that you are enough you know, you are worthy. You do deserve great, healthy love. And mm. that has to start first and foremost with looking at that that you have for you, with yourself, that relationship that you have with yourself. And I think the thing for me is that, you know, I totally agree. It's um, what I've noticed through doing that um, is actually the quality of all of my relationships have improved. Um, so, you know, I have great friends. I would have said I had great relationships with them, but they are even better now that I come at those relationships sort of way more um, authentically, much more in terms of like, look, I, I know my value and I know what I bring and therefore I'm comfortable in the value that I bring. And because I sort of bring that to the table sort of unapologetically, really, those relationships, those friends that I've got, you know, male and female, all of those friendships have got deeper. 
because I come at those things now going, look, this is, this is who I am and I'm okay with that. And I'm not telling you I'm perfect, um, but actually I'm okay with the imperfections and I will work on those imperfections, but there's so many great things that I bring. And I just think all of those relationships you know, with my family, you know, more honest with them. Um, I think at work, I turn up as a better version of myself um, in my, in my friendships. Like I said, I just turn up um, and be me and, and all of those things then, I think people just feel more comfortable around you when you just turn up as you um, and therefore you get back way more um, than you did previously. And that's what I've learned. Definitely. The thing is that um, I, I feel that we're conditioned, you know, by society, by our parents, by our education system sometimes to put on these masks where, you know, whether it's being a people pleaser, but, you know, we take on board um, some destructive beliefs that we weren't born with but we then start you know with our own self-talk um ingraining in our minds which then becomes like you say an unhealthy pattern you know where you're not feeling worthy enough you're not feeling good enough and therefore you're attracting relationships which affirm what you already think about yourself and then flipping it on its head like you've done you've noticed and it's really pleasing for me to hear that you know that's all changed now not just you know in the quality of um some relationships but all your relationships yeah i think it's just benefited me in the round and, and you're right you have to we sometimes have to stop and tell ourselves a different story mm. you know examine the stories that we tell ourselves and then carve out some different ones based on a different set of beliefs and that's really hard you know the hardest thing to change um you know about anybody um or about ourselves is our belief systems that's usually deeply ingrained over a long period of time um and i've fundamentally had to re-examine that belief system about myself and that's why it's taken me the last year of doing that so hence why I don't say that it's like really easy you don't just flick a switch and go oh, look, I'll believe something different about myself um it takes work and it takes you know mindfulness for want of a better phrase you know in the sense of just looking at those things and I I do that every day um I I fill in a gratitude journal every day and that's just looking at the small things in my world that are good and right and positive um and not that I think I went around I wasn't a negative person before my glass has always been half full um but I think now I really pay attention to what's that self-talk what are the good things in my life what am I telling myself about what's been good today and I absolutely guarantee that however bad you think your day has been, if you sit down at the end of it and sort of try and examine the things that were good, you definitely always, without fail, find things. Um, mm -hmm. And it, sometimes it's a really small stuff. It's like, you know, it was, you noticed some sunlight and how it sort of came through the trees or, you know, you spoke to somebody in a coffee queue and, and they were just nice and friendly or, um, you know, for me personally, because, you know, people pronounce my name wrong all the time, um, you know, that somebody, you met somebody for the first time and they got your name right. And, you know, it's just the really tiny things that if we start to notice them, they really start to build up into something much bigger um, that just brings that positivity that goes right there's good stuff in my life let's just keep building on that let's keep looking for the positives and then that becomes a habit because what we've done probably previously is got into the habit of looking at the negatives you know and um, they all become habits so you can literally change those habits by decide making that decision that you're going to start you know looking for the positives like you say in your day around what you can be grateful for so thank you for sharing that that's a great one
No, no worries. And I think it's that thing of, I read something recently that says, you know, just because you've had a bad five minutes doesn't mean you've had a bad day. That's one of my other ones as well. You know, something bad might happen to you, you know, somebody cuts you up on your way to work. You don't then have to have the mindset that goes, oh my God, this day is going to be rubbish. You know, somebody just cut you up and that just, that lasted, you know, a few seconds, a few minutes, whatever that is, but then you can reset yourself and go, no, but I'm going to move forward positively. So that's another one that I try to do. Yeah. Yeah, the thing is that, like you say, you can't let one negative incident affect the rest of your day. You can choose to either hang on to that negativity, which is then only going to negatively, massively badly impact yourself. It's not going to negatively badly impact anybody else. So why would Mm. you choose to do that? But we tend to do so, don't we, once we're... um, you know, when we're not aware of the alternative and the alternative is to, you know, acknowledge that probably, yeah, somebody did cut me up temporarily. I can feel, you know, angry about it or have a future's words towards that other driver and go off in my head, but then you can let it go. You can choose to actually then let it go and think, well, that's it, it's done. And now I yeah, can just... Yeah, and I think what, what I consciously try to do is actually turn it into a good thing for them. So if somebody cuts me up, you know, and... and whatever, is that's quite often, you know, rather than like beat my horn and get angry or any of that kind of stuff, I'll probably just like smile and wave at them and kind of go like, that's okay. Um, so try and turn it into a positive thing that happens in their day, not just in mine. Yeah, yeah. We can always choose to perceive and react differently, can't we, to, to whatever situation happens. We don't necessarily have to default into any negative behaviours because that's how we've always done it. So that's how we're going to always do it going forward. You know, our past doesn't equal our future. Based on new awarenesses, we can make it different and more positive. Definitely. So thank you very much, Carolyn, for for sharing your story. I I really, really do appreciate that. And I think it's going to be invaluable for a lot of our listeners listening to it today. On the strength of um, maybe some of our audience members wanting to know more about you and, and dig down a little bit deeper and, and get in touch, what, what by what means can people connect with you? Um, they can go to uh, the landing page on my website, so that's www.carolynhobday.com and get in touch with me there. Um, so there's a contact form on there if they want to do that. Um, I'm on social media, so you can find me on Facebook, um, on LinkedIn, on Instagram. Um, I'm, it's just at Carolyn Hobday on all of those. So, um, yeah, you can find me in any of those places. Excellent. Well, I'll, I'll make sure that information, as always, gets included in our show notes so that if there are any audience members that want to reach out and connect with you, then they're able to do so via just looking in the show notes to do with this particular episode so thank you once again Carolyn it's been fabulous speaking to you and I I really want to commend you for being courageous enough to share what you've shared today because not everybody does and I think it's going to be massively valuable to a lot of our listeners listening in today you're very welcome thank you for the opportunity and on that note I want our listeners to always remember that true love starts with opening our hearts So for today, until next time, that's it. Have a great rest of the day. Goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts entwined.com Remember, true love starts 
with opening our hearts.